Welcome to Merle's Pearls of Business Wisdom, where I, Merle M. Singer, the Relationship Miracle Worker, talks about all things relationship and how they impact the workplace, your workplace. Today, we have a guest speaker, and the guest speaker is Haya Topaz. Welcome, Haya. Thank you so much. And not only uh, as um, experience in the nonprofit world, but she is currently a um, an author and an author of children's books. So first, before anything else, tell us the name of your most current book and where okay. you can get it. Okay, very good. So the name of my first book is When We Visit You. And it's available on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. And my second book is called Go Away Bad Dreams. And it's also available on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. So they are widely available and they are print on demand. And they have beautiful and inclusive graphics. And uh, according to my Amazon reviews, they are five stars all the way. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important that people know that that we're talking about someone that is a, and well, and you are an author of books that you still have yet to publish. So that's, yeah. So this is a woman that wants to and enjoys writing books for children. Is that correct, mostly? That is correct, yes. So far, they've all been for either little kids, big kids, or, you know, almost adult kids. Right, right. And um, and he, he, so she, you're starting out really mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the author, uh, uh, as an author. And you've mm-hmm. just been doing it for how long? Um, I've been doing it for less than a year. You've been busy. I've been very busy. <laughs> I've written six books. That's uh, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, and so, but but you didn't start out as an author. So, what have you been doing before this year? So. My background is in home product development. This is a very niche market. I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, and um, they offered this course, and I took it after I'd already finished a degree in merchandising management, and it was in home products. So it was all about the marketing and creation of the things that go in your house, so furniture and bedding and tableware, and I graduated with a bachelor's in that. And it is a wonderful degree if you live in New York City, because you can get a job doing that in New York City. However, if you live anywhere else in the world, you are going to have a very hard time finding work. It's extremely niche. They only need a few of them. And the market shifted. It used to be that people with that title, um, home product developer, would tell manufacturers what to create based on what was trending what they could see and decide was trending based actually on fashion. So if, you know, brown was very 
in for fall in, you know, let's say this fall, then next fall, it would be in for furniture. Uh So Uh it kind of followed that schedule. Now it works very differently because so much manufacturing moved to China. China kind of determines what the U.S. consumer will get. So there is definitely designers um, and they, for, you know, major corporations will send designs to China, but it also goes the other way now as well, where China will say, well, this is what we have on offer. Do you want to just tell us, you know, what color and what texture? So things have really shifted in that marketplace. And so I did do that after I graduated from college for a little while, and I did it for linens and things. I was working for, uh, one of the designers who worked for linens and things, and we were developing products for them. And then in 2008, when the market crashed, linens and things went under and I lost my job. So I had to pivot and I started doing marketing and branding for a firm in Baltimore that that, um, takes small businesses and brings them to the next level. And so I did that for a while. And after, uh, during that time, I got married and I moved. And so now I live right outside Washington, D.C. in a suburb called Silver Spring. And for a little while, I did real estate. And then I was working for nonprofits as um, uh, I was serving on the executive board of a nonprofit. And I really enjoyed that. I was raising my kids. And this was kind of something that I could do more part time. Then when COVID hit, one of the schools that my children were in needed a communications director. And I volunteered my time as the communications director for that school. And um, I found that I was very good at it. So, you know, I had a couple of other jobs in between, but the nonprofit that I had served on the board of got in touch with me at a certain point. And they said, you know, we have an opening for a communications director. Would you like it? And I said, sure. And I did do that for a year. And um, so I think everything that I've done for the past 20 years that, you know, I've been working, it's really more than that. I would say 25 years. I don't want to age myself, but it's been a while. Um, I've written. I've written copy and I've written emails and I've written appeals. Um, So I was always writing, just not in the capacity that I think deep in my heart I wanted to write, which is more for myself and more driven by what's important to me. So I think that all these jobs, all these years have led me to what I'm doing now. Even though it doesn't seem like it. Even though it doesn't seem like it. So, okay. So what was, so what was the thing, when did you snap that you said, that's it. I, I, I'm goodbye. Hello, writing. So, two things happened. One, my husband and I had always joked that when our children were all grown up, we were going to visit them and we were going to do all the annoying things to them that they do to us in our house. So something that drives my husband absolutely crazy is all three of my daughters are gymnasts. And what they love to do is they take a running leap at our sofa and they flip over the back of it like like monkeys, like little monkey acrobats. And it drives him bananas. He's always saying, stop, stop flipping over the sofa. <laughs> and so to kind of take the tension out of that moment where they 
do not stop doing this, <laughs> is that we would joke about it and we'd say, you know, when they're all grown up, we're going to visit them and we're going to flip over their sofa. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the book kind of of grew out of that. It was all the things that they do that drive us crazy. <laughs> we were going to visit on them when they were grown up. So my first book is all about that. It's all about these grandparents visiting their adult children and behaving like the children their children used to be. So it's very cute and it's very funny. And all the kids that I read this book to, they understand right away what the lesson is. They totally get it. Like if they're four years old or older, they get it right away. They're like, oh, I do that. You don't like when I do that. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. It's very cute. And so it's been very successful in that way. I've done a lot of book readings. Kids just really enjoy it. And better than that, adults really enjoy reading it to them because it's like the ultimate parent revenge fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think what kind of like I was, I finally had this skill set that I needed to write a book because I'd been using this graphics program and I really understood how to use it. And that helped me format the book. And so kind of those things came together. And I was also very deeply unhappy at my job. And just that terrible feeling when you want to cry on Sunday night because you know on Monday morning you're going to have to return to work. It's a it's the worst feeling. You just, you feel bad inside. It ruins your whole day and it ruins how you relate to the world around you. And once I wrote the book and I was writing the book while I was still working, I realized I can't do this anymore. I can't be so unhappy every single day. Even if the book writing doesn't work out, something has to give. And so I did quit my job to pursue promoting my book. And while I started promoting my book, I had an idea for my second book. And then it kind of grew from there. Uh, So in reflection, what was it about your job that was so negative the people i was working with were deeply negative they were deeply negative about my work which i thought was actually quite good and they were deeply negative i think maybe internally maybe something was going on with them that i wasn't seeing but to them everything was bad And everything was something to complain about. And that's not how I operate. I'm like, generally speaking, a really positive person. And having to absorb that negativity day in and day out was proved to be too much for me. Uh, It's it's just interesting. Uh, I I, I wanted you to express because I think it's important for... for employers Mm-hmm. and managers mm-hmm. to know what what can set somebody off in right a, in a goodbye uh, mode so if you uh, uh if you ever decide to get a, another job what what have you learned that could at least uh, I mean, if you have to work, 
that um, that it could be pleasant. And it, it may not fulfill your deepest dreams, but it, it could be a pleasant way to spend a day. Right. What 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 would you look for? I would look for somebody one. I would look for a work environment that was positive where people were generally happy. If I saw my coworkers were happy and I'm looking for a manager who's interested in mentorship, I find a lot of the times you get thrown into a position and there's nobody there to explain how to do your job. And you kind of have to figure it out, which is really how it went at my last position. I just had to figure it out. There was not anything in place and there was nobody to mentor me. And that that leaves you feeling very insecure. And so I'd really like to work in a positive environment where people are very motivated to have a good attitude about whatever it is they're doing. And I'd really like to be mentored into a position. I think that would really help. Sometimes uh, the, the mentor could be a fellow worker. It Absolutely. Isn't, isn't necessarily a manager. Right. That's true. That's true. And uh, uh, sometimes it's it's a um, somebody that's leaving will mentor the new person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get the real <laughs> down low about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I and so so I think that's that's an important lesson for. Uh, for so so then my question is going to be to you: How are you going to know that that this uh, this other place would be a, a positive environment for you? You know, it's such a good question because I don't know. When I took the current job, I was really excited. I thought it was going to be a really good, healthy workplace, and it took me a little while to figure out that it wasn't a healthy workplace. And I don't know how I would have known otherwise. And I'm not sure at this point how I would be able to figure that out from the outside. I think what would help at least now if it were for a big enough company and they had a big enough LinkedIn following, you could ask current and former employees through LinkedIn, hey, what's this working environment like? And you could get some real answers. But for some places, like these smaller organizations, there's just not enough of a presence that you could find, you know, present or past employees to ask. Right. So that 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 can be an issue. Yeah. I I would love our uh, uh, our listeners to to write in and say, well, this is what you can do. This will help you out. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, and, and so your other issue that, that you brought up that I think a lot of people have a concern, which is, yeah, I, I, I have that same issue and I want to quit my job and, um, and I have something that I that I feel passionate about. So it it may not be writing for somebody else, but it but for you, it's uh, writing and writing for children, and uh, it, it it's meaningful. 
it makes you feel good when you do it. Yeah. So what do you do if uh, three months go by, six at the end of the year goes by and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and you've had a lot of people say nice things, but you haven't made any money. And, 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 and it's not like you see money in the next two months. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to look for a nine to five. I'll, I'll be up against a wall at that point. However, mm-hmm. uh, I, don't you think that it's possible mm-hmm. to, I mean, since you already, you have, you said you have three daughters, you mm-hmm. have, uh, you have a husband, mm-hmm. so you, you have a rich, full family life, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you didn't work at all and didn't write a book, you'd have plenty to do. Yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> so what's a little bit more? <laughs> so why can't you get? Uh, And is it possible to get a part-time job? Would that be? Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely really only look for a part-time job because I want to be here when my kids get home from school. I think it's really important for me and for them. But you've had a nine-to-five job. It was not. It was part-time. Oh, it was part-time. Yes. It sometimes felt very full-time, but it was not. Right. Well, then why can't you, um, why can't you also pursue your, your, uh, your writing at the same time? It's a really good question. And it's something that everybody asks me. And there's a very simple answer. Right now, I use every minute that's not devoted to taking care of my kids and my house to promoting and writing books. I want to make sure that I am doing everything I possibly can to get word out about these books using every minute that I possibly can. Now, if I'm working part-time, those extra hours and those extra minutes would be devoted to something else. And then I would say, well, I wasn't really giving it my all. I wasn't pursuing this in the way that was necessary to make it a success. However, if in a few months I see that it everything I'm doing, this 100% all in, all of my time is not working, then I do have to give in and I have to say, all right, I have to get a job and just this is going to have to be something that I do in my off hours and see if something happens. There are many doors to the same room. Okay. Um. And um, I think that uh, it's fine to give it your all for X amount of period of time, but, and something can happen, you know, and it can be the last day, all right, honey, I'm getting a job tomorrow. And the last day, you know, you, you could go on Oprah. Well, she's not on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, 
e even so, so one of the things I'm thinking of is you could hold off on some of the writing and mm -hmm. spend more of that time focused on a book or two. Mm -hmm. or, and or see which ones seem to connect with somebody or other. Right. Or is there a book that you could, well, and you talked about one book. Um, I don't remember if we were, <laughs> if we were recording at the time, uh, but no. you talked about a book uh, that, that was also uh, a, a curriculum. Right. That's correct. So I wrote a book and it's about uh, the intersection between mental illness and addiction and how the beginning stages of mental illness can lead to addiction. And when I say mental illness, I'm really talking about depression and anxiety that can hit, you know, middle schoolers to, you know, high schoolers. And that was kind of my focus. And so it's a book about a fictional character who's starting to feel anxious and depressed and turns to drugs. And it's his story. And I wrote it because I had a brother who died of an overdose five years ago, and I wasn't capable of writing his story. It was way too painful, but I did write a fictional account of somebody who has a completely different story from his. Um, and I wrote it alongside a curriculum so that it could be taught in school. This isn't a book that I expect any middle schooler would enjoy picking up and reading for fun. It's not a fun book, but it's an excellent source of education. And I think that when it comes to mental illness and addiction, education is our best prevention and probably really our only real method of prevention. And the book's focus is on helping middle schoolers to understand that they can be there for their friends in a way that I don't think anybody expects them to be. So if they go on, I'm sorry, I see that you want to say something. Uh, okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you talk? To, have you run it by principals? Have you run it by counselors? Have you run it by teachers? So I have submitted it to um, the Maryland Department of Education. And I have not heard back. And I have submitted it to a pharmaceutical company that produces Narcan. Um, many times, and they have not gotten back to me. And I have submitted it to Al-Anon, who said that it is a fine book, but they would never endorse it because I am not a graduate of AA. Um, besides that, no, I have not sent it to anybody besides those that I mentioned. So you have three children. Yes. And they're all in school. Correct. They're, why couldn't you ask one of those teachers what they're, I mean, what you want would be to get a perspective that's different from yours. If right. the teacher says, oh, the parents would go in bonkers and they wouldn't like this, or mm -hmm. or they would say, oh, this is perfect, or it would be good, but it needs to be tweaked this way. Right. Wouldn't that be uh, helpful? You are correct. It would be helpful to find a teacher to look this over and give me some feedback. And I would love that. I would not ask any of the teachers in my children's schools. And the reason for that is very simple. 
a few years ago, I approached the principal of the local Jewish Orthodox high school that my child goes to. And I said, you know, I'd love to give a presentation and to talk to you about addiction because I think it's really important for the kids to learn about it in a way that's super understandable and coming from somebody who has real experience. And she said, what are you talking about? We don't have a problem with addiction in this school. And I thought to myself, do you have high schoolers here? You damn well have a problem with addiction here. Anywhere there are high schoolers, you have a problem with addiction. But there is uh, deniable, there's this deniability in the Jewish Orthodox day schools that they don't want to admit that there even could be a problem. So I cannot approach these schools. They're so deeply with their heads in the sand. However, I would love to approach, you know, maybe uh, teachers in other schools or definitely in public schools who I think are willing to admit, yeah, of course there's a problem. If anywhere there's high schoolers, there's a problem. Well, sometimes a good product is is not in sync with the marketplace at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this particular product, this book, but you already know a group, your natural group, which is, you know, where your kids go to school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, you've got to cross that off. Then the public schools nearby, do you know, mm-hmm. do you have a neighbor that that's kids goes to that school? Could you, mm-hmm. that they could recommend, who's a good teacher I could talk to that? I mean, because somebody has to have a different response than that principal had. That's absolutely right. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good idea. I should look through my network and see who would be interested in helping me find who the right person would be to talk to about this. There's several people. There's lots of people. You just have to make that connection. Right. That's a really good point. Uh, Because... One of the things about marketing, and you know about marketing, one of the things about marketing is, is, um, is that it lets you know what people want. Mm -hmm. And you can't make money on what people should have or what people should know or what people should be open to. Right. You can only right. make money from what they want to know. Right. Right. You're right. So if so I think you need to think in those terms when um when when you, you can't just go odd infinitum and and just 
make it your th- it's my thing it, it will turn out to be a hobby mm-hmm. and what you want is something that will make you some money and will really spread out to be known and used oh, let's stay in the United States and, mm-hmm. and on from there mm-hmm. so so the marketing aspect of it, the particular one, I mean, you've got six books. You don't have to have a favorite baby. Mm-hmm. You only have to have a, 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 a particular book that, that, that just seems to be ready. The market seems to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. So, so think in terms, you have a marketing background. Right. Use it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I um. I I've taken some marketing courses myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is about it's not what you want to teach. It's not what you want to sell. It's what mm-hmm. they want to buy from you. Right. Right. You're right. It's a good point. So, um, and then, and then it, it, it's not, it's not this game, this game of, of book writing that you're going to win or lose. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give, I'll give myself the rest of the year. I'll give myself six months. I'll give myself this amount of time and then I'm going to win or lose. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You're just going to keep living. Okay. You're not going to win or lose. It's just going to be different than you expected. Some mm-hmm. of it in amazing ways and some of it in eh ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So if you can use your focus on this is an ongoing thing this is a part of my life this is what is part of what I enjoy doing this is mm-hmm. what I want to get out to the world and mm-hmm. and it's not a win or lose it's it's uh it's how I live my life this is mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. and uh then there's not an end it, it, it's it's just part of of your living moving forward and if it works that all you do is work on on these books and you make it and and you become this fabulous author that everybody just is dying to talk to and your books are just falling off the 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 shelves of the bookstores and and school systems are buying it i mean (laughs) all the fabulous dreams that you can have some of that may happen mm-hmm. and still not be enough money, by the way. Okay. So, <laughs> I think in terms of what people want from you mm-hmm. that you can enjoy giving them, rather mm-hmm. than this is a lesson I know you need to learn, which is how we tend to do. I, I, I can. Okay. It's not it's not about what what lesson I have that I need to tell you. 
It's mm-hmm. all the stuff I have in my head. What is it that you want to hear from me? Okay. I hear what you're saying. I do. And uh, I, 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 if you get that, if you get that, that's mm-hmm. something good from this interview. If right. other people get it, it's even, it's icing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want you to tell the name of your books again. Okay. Somebody will say, what was that book? What was that? So go ahead, tell us. Okay. The first one is When We Visit You, and it's by Chaya Topaz. It's C-H-A-Y-A-T-O-P-A-S, and it's available on Amazon as well as barnesandnoble.com. And the second book is really for toddlers, and it's called Go Away Bad Dreams. And that one's by Chaya Topaz, because there is another book by the same name by an author who wrote it in the 80s, and that is something else. (laughs) I had Cracking the Relationship Code, and I found it some seven years ago. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Happens. Yeah. Okay. It's been wonderful. It's really, I've enjoyed our conversation. Yes, me too. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Thank you all for listening to Merle's Pearls of Business Wisdom with me, your host, Merle M. Singer, the relationship miracle worker. You can find this episode and all past episodes on relationshipmiracleworker.com slash podcast also you can find it on spotify apple or all of those all your favorite podcast platforms so make sure and ask for you know or or look for the interview with high and topaz you'll really enjoy thank you so much merle it's a pleasure bye all right be well Bye bye